ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title. What's up, everybody? Um, I know I'm in a different location this week than than normal. I'm at the NFCA Softball Coaches Convention down in Louisville. Just got done recording this episode with Andy Barquette. Andy has a massive amount of experience coaching baseball at all different types of levels, major league, minor league, college. And so in this episode, he talks about some of the stuff that he's learned along the way. We talk a lot about the mental side of the game, game planning, and then he's very, very good at, at picking up uh, pitchers who tip their pitches, so pitch tipping, and he gives some some insight into that as well. So hope you enjoy it. Make sure to subscribe. I'm going to put all of his information in the uh, in the description if you want to learn more about him. This is the future. This is my time. I grind and shine. I put in the work and push the line. I'm holding my crown. Never back down. All right, we now welcome onto the podcast, Andy Barquette. Andy, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So you've done, I mean, geez, I mean, just thinking about your career as a coach, you know, you've coached in the in the big leagues, you've coached in college, you were a minor league manager. As a player, you played 11 years in the minor leagues, played in the major leagues. And so, I mean, you pretty much have been at every, almost every level of baseball in some capacity. But I know that you're also like really passionate, as am I, on on the mental side of the game. And I think that's huge. It's often overlooked, I think. What's uh, what's a way? Because I think one of the things that ends up happening is coaches will say the mental game is important, but they don't necessarily give players like ways to improve upon it. They don't necessarily like expand on it at all. Like, what are some of the ways that you think coaches could start helping players more on the mental side of the game? Well, I, first of all, I really appreciate you bringing that up and. You know, as a hitting coordinator, like you mentioned, I've done just about everything in the game. Uh, being a hitting coordinator, you're running the hitting program for a minor league organization, which was the last job I had with the White Sox. And, you know, what I found, it was that we could really, you know, we could dig in and, and fix a swing. I, I felt like, you know, just with technology and drill packages and and just what we know about movement now uh, with strength conditioning departments and, and, and biomechanists, like you can fix a swing. You know, but the challenges that I found were most difficult were were the mental game. And actually, I, I had had came up with a if if I was going to be retained and with the White Sox for another year, I was working on a, a mental program um, and developed a mental program. That actually, I've been doing some private speaking uh, to teams and, and organizations, and it's called Core. Uh, I like acronyms, but. I think the mental game is is the is the most important part that is is severely overlooked in this in in the new era of of baseball teaching that we're in. We're we're very technology driven and and it's and it's super important. Like I I don't want to downplay technology at all. I think that um, you know uh, not only am I a baseball coach, but I'm a baseball dad. I have a college baseball player son, so I'm looking for every competitive advantage to try to develop his game. And heck yeah, I'm going to use technology to find out, you know, a force plates, how much he's, you know, engaging the ground and, um, you know, the blast motion, you know, what's his early connection score and, and is he on plane? And so I, I want to know all those things and, and his spin on Rapsodo and his exit velos and, and, and launch angles. They're all super important. But at the end of the day, if your mental game is crappy, then, um, you know, you're going to have a hard time executing anything that you work on. If you're, if you're locked up mentally, if your thoughts, uh, pre swing thoughts or pre at bat thoughts or in the batter's box thoughts are jacked up, then you're going to have a hard time executing. So, you know, to answer your question, this is kind of a long winded answer. Uh, but like I said, I've, uh, we talked earlier before we started, I've been in the interview process with, with major league teams. So I've gotten used to long winded answers these days, but, um, we, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways. I feel like you have to practice mental techniques just as you practice physical techniques. For example, um, you know, there's 15 seconds, 18 seconds, whatever it is, depending on guys on base or not uh, between pitches in a game. And, um, you know, now we have a pitch clock actually. Right. And like before the pitch clock, nobody really understood that time period or could quantify it. And now we can actually quantify it because we have the clock. So like, what are you doing with that 15 seconds? Because, if you know, 
people smarter than me figured out that in a three-hour baseball game, there's only about 15 minutes of actual baseball that's played. So there's two hours and 45 minutes of either in between innings or in between pitches. Heck, that's that's a lot more time to 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 lock in and concentrate than the actual 15 minutes of action on the field. So in order to manage those that two hour 45 minutes, which breaks up into 15 second increments, you have to be able to manage your thoughts and manage your brain and be able to refocus and reset yourself uh, during a game. So, I mean, you can practice that. Um, you know, in batting practice, instead of swing, 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 flip, 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 which is unrealistic. The game is not played like that, right? You know, take a swing, step out of the box, reset yourself, get back in the box, you know, engage the pitcher, whatever, whatever your techniques are. And like I said, I don't want to go into too much detail, but we have different types of techniques you can give a hitter or a, a defensive player or a pitcher to manage that 15 seconds in between pitches. Um, you know, as well, just, you know, positive affirmations, positive thoughts, redirecting your mind to positivity. There's so much negativity in baseball because you fail so much and we have to have techniques and ways to, you know, uh, embrace the suck instead of, you know, um, tell, tell, tell ourselves that we suck. And, and, and that just, you know, we start spiraling. You know, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm not just a, a baseball coach. I'm a, I'm a baseball and sports dad. Uh, my oldest daughter is a soccer college soccer player. My youngest daughter is a high school volleyball player. And um, I don't know much about soccer and volleyball, but I do know that I watch them go through the mental anguish of the games that they play, along with, you know, my son who went to NC State, as we talked about earlier, his freshman year. It was, it was just kind of a rough experience for him. And then – um, played summer ball, started off kind of shaky in summer ball and was just going through it mentally. And so, again, this is kind of what inspired me, my, my experience as a hitting coordinator and then as a, as a sports dad uh, to develop this mental skills program just because, you know, young people these days, it, it's a different world we live in with social media. So everything that you do is amplified. You know, when I was a minor league baseball player, you know, a million years ago, if I went over four and punched out three times, you know, you, you really, nobody knew about it, right? Like you, 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 there weren't like box scores in the Texas league that you could just click on something and find back when I played, you know, now if you stink and have a bad night, heck there's video of it that somebody can look at at any point. Right. So you make an error to cost somebody the game. It's on Twitter, like 15 minutes after the game's over. So um, it's just, it's just changed a lot. And so we, really the mental game We've advanced so much in the physical game with technology, and I feel like at times, and we have, we have so many great, wonderful people in baseball, sports psychologists, that are mental skills coaches, and I'm, I'm, I have really good relationships with, with many of them, and pick their brains, and they really helped me come up with my program. But you know, they, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it, it, I feel like we're not doing enough. I feel like that, um, that that the mental skills development of young athletes in all sports especially baseball is is lacking and i feel like it needs to get better so that's a really long answer of your question but uh hopefully i covered i covered uh what you were looking for well i know you've been around some of the best players in the game and just in general just really good players at, at various levels of the game Obviously, there's going to be some players stronger on the mental side of the game than not, but I'm sure you've seen some players make some big strides as well on that side of the game. Like, what are some of the things that you've seen from a from a, an actual player that maybe you've worked with or that you've just seen from afar? Like, what are some of the things that you've seen um, them do that really take their their mental side of the game and it, it help their in game production over time? Um. Great question. I, I would say like controlling, controlling their breath. Number one, breathing is super important. Um, especially, you know, from the hitting side, when you, when you watch a hitter in between pitches, being able to take the deep breath, like um, be very uh, routine centric. So, uh, you know, I, 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 like you said, I've, I've been fortunate to be around some of the, you know, some of the greatest players in the game and um, JD Martinez, um, who still continues to produce at a high level, even as he's going to tick older. But if you watch his at-bats, 
I mean, there's a routine there that is just repeated and repeated and repeated. And and what you don't see is the routine that starts at two o'clock in the afternoon every day that's repeated and repeated and repeated for 162 games. And then, you know, that same routine is, 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 you know, working backwards is starting in spring training. Heck he's, he's working on it probably as we speak and in, in December, getting ready for, you know, for spring training. So I feel like uh, watching guys trust the routines and really develop effective routines, both mentally and physically, and then be able to carry those into the game and, and trust their training. Um, you know, when you, when you talk to uh, Navy SEALs and being in professional baseball, you get to meet so many different types of people and interact with so many different types of people from different walks of life and sharpshooters and in, in the military. And, you know, they'll tell you that in, in combat that they are calm and under control because they're trusting their training. They're trusting what they what they have practiced over and over and over again in their routine. And so they're not flustered by what's going on around them because they're able to to lock in and and focus due to I've done this so many times and I'm so comfortable doing it that I don't even think twice about it when I'm trying to, you know, find something in my scope to shoot at or whatever it is. And so I feel like it, it, in, a, in a much different scale, baseball is very similar at the highest levels where you have to trust your routines and trust your, cause that, you know, self doubt is what really what we're talking about here. We're talking about battling self doubt and battling, um, you know, just those negative thoughts and what, what can you do to combat that? Well, if, if I trust my training and I trust my, my technique and I trust everything, all the work that I've done in the preparation then that helps me eliminate the self-doubt. Uh, you know, Mookie Betts is one of the greatest players in our game. And, you know, major league players are just as human as you and I. They just, they have self-doubt. And they, and that was one thing that I, I really was surprised getting to the big leagues as a coach and being around really good players was, dang, they're just as human as minor league players. Like, they doubt themselves as well. And I have to encourage them and, pump them up and help them focus and, and lock in. They have problems off the field, just like minor league players. They have problems off the field, just like I do. And so they, they, they have to be able to focus at seven o'clock and lock in to compete. And, you know, that's kind of the, the, um, the secret of, of coaching at the highest level is not really how much technique you can teach them, but really how you can get them to believe in themselves at seven o'clock or help them believe in themselves at seven o'clock when the game starts. Um, so just, I get, you know, and I think those players that are able to play at the highest level there, those guys, ha even when they do have self-doubt, even when they do are battling maybe some fear of failure or some failure itself, those guys have this unique ability to post when the bell rings. Uh, there's times when Mitch Moreland, who's one of the toughest guys I've ever been around, you know, was not feeling good at the plate. And, you know, he's a country boy from Mississippi. And, uh, you know, he, he when the bell rang, he he's, I mean, all day long working with him. He's, I don't feel it. It doesn't feel right. You know, and we're kind of battling back and forth. But when it's time to go, it's time to go. And, and you know, he's going to go out and, and, and fight like fight like heck to give you the best at bats he could that night and help his team win. And that's what you know, really good players, great players, elite players have that ability that no matter what's going on, when the bell rings, they're able to to get out there and battle. And that's that's another thing I noticed about big league players. Yes, they doubt it, they doubt themselves like minor league players, but you know, forty thousand people in Fenway Park or Minute Maid Park, whatever it is, and 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 everybody's watching, they're they're gonna fight, they're gonna battle, they're gonna post. Yeah, it's almost like at, at some point, you know, once the game starts, like you you said, you know, you ding the bell and it's like, hey, I got what I got at this point. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's compete time. Like we're not worried about mechanics and things like that as much. So I think getting players to that point is very important. But I um, I definitely agree with with what you just said right there. And going back to uh, routines and you mentioned, you know, J.D. Martinez has a is very diligent about his routine. And it starts at two o'clock. Like, 
how, as a coach, how do you go about helping a, a young player find that routine, right? Because there's somebody, JD says, she's, he's in his mid thirties now. He understands his swing, all these things like that. So he knows what he needs to do. How would you go about helping a, a younger player? Maybe even just someone like your, your son or someone your son's age who's in college and, and still figuring their body out and their swing and things like that. Yeah, another great question. Uh, and actually, my son is quasi home. Stetson's only about 45 minutes away. So he was home for a couple of days and he has a meeting back there today, but he's, he'll be back. And anyway, he went to hit yesterday and I, I wanted to go hit with him, but I wasn't able to. And and uh, and he said, yeah, dad, it's 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 cool. My, my, my routine's in a really good spot right now. And he kind of broke it down for me. And I was like, you know, when he told me that, I, I, I smiled. I'm like, you know what? I don't feel bad about not hitting with you today because it's everything that you just said sounds like you're, you're, you're killing it. So that's, you're in a good spot. And honestly, you know, that's another great question. When I, when I worked for the White Sox and, and was the hitting coordinator, my first order of business in instructional league, when I took over was to get the new prospects and new draft picks and to teach them a routine that, that was actually the first, like, and the coaches, got them all together. Hey guys, here's what we're going to, we're going to do is we're going to teach these guys a routine and so that they can work on it all off season. They come back in spring training and they're, and they're different. So number one, you got to have drill packages that are, that are um, focused on movement patterns that, that help the swing and help and help the movements of the hitter. And obviously we know so much more about biomechanics and, and how the body works effectively and the hip rotating underneath the spine instead of around the spine. And, we know about how to use the ground now. We know about different angles that the upper body is going to uh, produce. So teaching them various drills and every hitter's DNA is different. And I, and I say this all the time. Um, so everybody learns differently. I have six different drills to show a hitter to teach them how to use the ground effectively. And I'll have, and I'm just throwing numbers out there, but I have, I have a lot of drills um, for the path. Um, and then I have drills to connect them and I will say, okay, I will, for example, what we did that instructional league, I remember is I made everybody do all the drills for like three days and some of them hated some of them. And I said, yeah, that's fine. You're not going to like them and they're going to feel weird and it's going to be different. But when we're done, I want you to pick at least one drill from using the ground and one drill from, uh, from the path that we had, uh, in the different packages and start to make that a part of you every day. And if you are working on this every day for 60 days or 90 days before we see you in spring training, you're going to have a better feel for the ground when you get here and your path is going to be cleaner and you're going to be, have a better chance to be connected in your swing. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, obviously you take it a step further and, you know, facing velocity and facing spin. And um, I'm big on random training and not, and not block training. Um, you know, like flips is obviously a big part of, of hitting instruction these days. And flips are good when we're trying to teach movements. And, uh, you know, you do want some block training there when uh, maybe I'm working on a one hand drill and I'm trying to stay connected and stay to the middle and keep my path clean. But at the same time, once we start getting into the phase of hitting and and really preparing for the game, or you just preparing ourselves as a hitter, you want to change speed, you want to change locations, you want to have the mental aspect added to the routine. So we're okay, you're looking away and taking in or vice versa, or, or you're looking hard and taking soft, so that there's a decision making element to their routine. And so you know, you, you explain this whole um, program to hitters, and you hopefully that they grab something from each part of it you know the movements um, and then the decision making and then velocity and spin and so forth off machines or or arm whatever it might be and then you know you talk them through all right what do you think you need as a hitter how can we we implement everything that we're doing here into what you're doing to make yourself better every day and you know just like um i know jd has these i'm sure he probably still uses them these little uh, balance bubbles and uh, he would stand on both of them and do one hand drills. And then he'd, then he'd, then he'd stand on both of them and he'd swing with two hands. And I mean, like their, their, their stability there for like ankle rehab and knee rehab and stuff like that. And you would, so I, you know, when I use those with, with hitters, 
um, young hitters to this day, I'll ask the question. And, you know, they're, they're, they're unstable when they first get on it because, heck, it's not easy to, to hit a baseball period, but much less when you're unstable. But it really forces you to kind of use your core to, to engage and stabilize. And I'll ask the young hitter, if you did this every day for 30 days, you think your balance and control of your body and your your core, you know, would be more engaged in your swing? And the answer is like, yeah, of course. And then I'm like, okay, then why wouldn't you do it? You know, like if you want to get, if you want to be better and it may not be that drill, maybe it's the board between your legs. Maybe it's a step back drill, whatever it is. Like again, hitting, everybody's hitting DNA is different, but if there's something that you can do every day to get you better and get you to give you a feel that you need, then why wouldn't you do it? You know? And, and that's really, you know, the, the building blocks of a routine and, and a building blocks of what greatness looks like. Like, Greatness is boring sometimes. Greatness is hard. Greatness is monotonous. Greatness isn't fun or entertaining. And um, working with major league players, they're no different. Like they grind through drills that are are boring and and aren't fun. And and you know, and hitting off the tee and going the other way and just whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's it's. You have to have something that when you get in that batter's box, like for me, I remember it was, I used to hit off the tee a lot just because, um, you know, we didn't have private lessons and all these hitting facilities and things like that. Like when I was a kid, I, I, uh, I hate to admit this, but I would steal at times construction cones, the tall ones until I, you know, and I'd take it home with me and, and I'd have some bootleg net and I would hit off the construction cone until it, for, you know, it busted and then I'd go steal another one. You know, I didn't have a lot, we didn't have a lot of money to go buy the Tanner Tees back then, which didn't exist anyway. But, um, you know, I remember thinking, okay, in the batter's box when I was struggling at times, you know, that that T swing where you're, you're keeping your front shoulder on the ball and your head on the ball and you're staying short to the ball, like I would reference it when I got in the box. Like I know I can, I can have that feel. I know I can do that when that pitch comes. And again, that's kind of like, um, really the application of your routine into the game. I've made this move before. I trust this move. I know I'm able to do this. And that's kind of the end point. So, but you have to build them up to that. Um, you know, for example, my son was really, the more we learn about hitting and, and movements, like the, the pelvis is super important. How the pelvis moves is super important, controlling the pelvis. And and his uh, move was a little bit too exaggerated and the front side was kind of leaking. And so like he's mentioned yesterday, I'm doing some, you know, the 1970s closed stance drills, you know, to kind of feel him post up against that front side and and kind of and, and get through a, and get through a, get through the swing, and uh, and so I'm like, man, awesome! Like, attack your weaknesses with a drill. You know, if you have something that you're you're scuffling with, um, you know, find a drill that you can start working on to attack that weakness. And and then now as I, he shows me video of his normal swings, I can see improvement based upon the routine that he has implemented. So um, you, you got to get players to buy in. You got to, you know, I remember we had a player who's really good. He's going to play in the big leagues. I'm not going to mention the same with the White Sox, but when I implemented all those drills, like I said earlier, uh, the first spring training or the first instructional league, he was pissed. He didn't like any of them. Uh, his dad is a professional hitting coach. So it's like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. He was a really young player at the time and he was a teenager. And, and, you know, last this two years later, I, you know, I, he won't admit it, but I would watch him using some of the tools and doing the drills. And I'm like, okay, there you go. You know what I mean? Like uh, it, it worked. Like it took some time, but eventually he started coming around and realizing he might need some of this stuff, you know? So again, another long-winded answer. Sorry about that. No, that's that was all uh, fantastic information uh, about routines and some great examples right there, too. You mentioned that these guys, I mean, these guys grind, obviously, at, at the professional level playing, you know, 100 plus games a season. But would you recommend hitters at younger ages? I mean, do you tell hitters like, hey, you need to be hitting seven days a week, right? Or like, do you recommend one day off? Like from like a skill standpoint, what do you think hitters should be doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I earlier before we came on, I, I started. I've been doing a, some lessons, some private instruction lately, and I had this kid who's twitchy, you know, long levers. Like, got a chance to be pretty good. He's like fourteen, 
And uh, I'd worked with him years ago when he was a little guy because we were he'd, he'd kind of come back in the cage. And, and I said, you remember all these drills that we used to do? Yes. And I said, how much have you been practicing lately? And he goes, his answer was, well, we had a tournament last weekend and then a tournament, you know, two weeks before that. And and I'm like, how much have you been practicing lately? And like, you know, because well, the dad's like, oh, I've been scuffling in games. He hasn't been really swinging the bat. And I kept going back. Oh, he has, hasn't been practicing. Why? Because you know, youth baseball or adolescent baseball, high school baseball, we're playing tournaments all the freaking time, right? And we're chasing trophies and, and so forth. And, hey, I love competition. I'm all about competition. But this game's hard. And if you're not practicing your skills, uh, you, you can't expect to be good at it. So I don't know if there's an exact number. Uh, like, for example, I, th- I feel like my son hits too much at times. You know, I feel like, you know, days off are good because you, if you're putting in the work and you're in your routine solid, then I don't think you need to do it uh, seven days a week at that level necessarily. But you know what, if, if you enjoy doing it and, and you feel like um, you, I just, I'm all about efficiency. So if go in there and if you're going to hit seven days a week, fine. I think that's great. Just, just you, you should have a routine where you can get it done and half hour, 45 minutes, instead of being in there for, you know, two hours, taking 200 swings and getting frustrated. Um, make sure that you're, you know, in there for a purpose, on purpose, doing things that that you know are going to help you get better. Um, so, I, I mean, if, if you're a high school player, let's just say, for example, and you want to play in college one day, I mean, you should be swinging a bat at least five days a week, I would say. I mean, heck, you know, obviously big leaguers are playing every night. Those guys are hitting every day. I mean, and they're taking lots of swings every day to get better. I mean, Mookie Betts won the MVP in 2018. I had to go to the chiropractor at the end of the season and get a bunch of work done because I had thrown him so many freaking baseballs. You know, it was not by accident. What you saw at at seven o'clock was was from hours of, you know, and it would be, you know, AB. I, I, I don't I don't let's go. Let's go. Let's go back in there. I don't feel it. And I'm just like, all right, let's go. You know, and there's sometimes I was like, oh, my gosh, are we serious? Are we going again? OK, let's go, you know, um, just and then there were some days where he's like, I got it. You know, I'm like, thank goodness. Oh, you know, <laughs> so um, but, you know, I, I I'd, I'd throw every baseball for that experience for him to win the MVPS to win the World Series. I, I'd go back and do it all over again and double if I would have had to um, just because. But those guys, it's not by accident. You know, those those guys grind and and heck, there's days that J.D., and, and even Mookie would go hit in the mornings and, and then they'd come and do their, you know, it may be me abbreviated routine when they got there in the afternoons pregame, but MVP, but they do it in the mornings. I mean, I got a chance to manage Manny Ramirez in winter ball. Uh, he was 42 years old. He had, he had made $250 million that he had in the bank already. He was the first guy at the ballpark every day. He did yoga on the field. He would walk to center field, which were the cages were in Santiago, I think still are. And he would do his cage routine. He would hit early BP on the field. We had an early BP and then we had regular BP. He would hit in his group in regular BP. And then he'd go in the clubhouse and on his iPad, he'd do eye exercises on this, this program. And he's talking about and every day. This guy did it every day. Like there was not a day that he didn't do it. And you're thinking, wow, you know, like that's, that's what greatness looks like. You know, you don't just show up at seven and, and oh, wow, those guys are good. Like, you know, you can't roll out of the car at the tournament and think you're going to be good just because, you know, you had some skills. Like, this is a tough game that you 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 have to really fall in love with and you have to fall in love with the the work and the process of it to really be good. Um, there's no – and I think that goes for every sport. I mean, I don't know a ton about Tom Brady, but I would imagine that what we saw when the game started – there's a ton of preparation and a ton of footballs thrown and a ton of footwork done and so forth and so on. So, um, again, too many long-winded answers. We're going to probably no, go It's all great. I, I love <laughs> it. I, um, I, yeah, if your competition, if your competition is, is doing that at the highest level, I mean, geez, yeah, you better be working pretty hard, right? If Manny Ramirez back in, you know, when he was Manny being Manny, uh, yeah, you better be working. You mentioned eye exercises that Manny would do on his iPad. I think vision is something that is, again, it's not talked about a ton, but clearly like Manny obviously thought that that was really important for him to do. Um, what's been a, your experience with um, helping hitters with vision, 
Um, I'm just kind of, I just want to leave it open-ended because I don't you know, necessarily want to say like what drills or anything. I'm just kind of curious to hear what, what you think about vision and, and helping players with it. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's also something that we as a group, uh, as an industry can get better at teaching. I feel like, I think we were on to something years ago. I remember when um, I was a player and I was in spring training with the Mariners in, in big league camp. And this was 2003 Edgar Martinez. And this was, it was a popular training tool at the time. It was this tennis ball machine on steroids, basically. And it had number it had colored numbers on the tennis ball and like one through nine. Uh, and um, you would number one, like the balls would start with like 85 and then they go to like 120. And then they would go back to like 95 and Edgar would do it every day. And I would just sit there in awe. And then when he would leave and all the big leaguers were done, I was a triple A player. I would try to hop in there and, and you're not hitting it. You're just trying to track and call the number out. You're trying to call the color out at first and then call the number out. And my whole point in saying this is that I did this every day in spring training. And I remember having one of the best spring trainings I ever had. And then when the season started, I felt like the ball looked like a beach ball. And then, you know, I didn't have, didn't have the machine in AAA that year. So I wasn't able to, uh, to, to continue to use it. Um, so I remember like my vision changing, I, but I remember when I was doing it, it really, it was super helpful. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We, we didn't really do a lot with in the White Sox organization for vision training. And I haven't really been around in my experience in the last 10 years or so coaching where I I've seen a program, I've seen people try different things, but I haven't seen anything super effective or super mainstream these days. When it comes to vision training, I think it's something that um, that we can kind of dig back into as an industry. Usually as a coach, you you're always reflecting right on how things went, how you did anything that you, you need to work on or improve, improve upon, you, you know, day by day, week by week, season by season. What's uh, what's one thing that you've made a, a conscious effort be like I need to improve in in this category and then and then improved on it um well I think you're always looking to to grow as a coach and get better and um you know uh I feel like there's a lot of technology in the game today and, and it was a challenge for me uh, you know building this kind of program with the White Sox from scratch um, you know, to kind of integrate the lab and integrate the biomechanists and and the strength conditioning. I thought we were doing a really good job of it by the time I left. Um, I, I would just say continuing to grow with the technology and how that, how that, you know, affects the hitter. I'm really fascinated by the mind and, and building relationships and, and getting a player to, to, to trust what I'm trying to, to teach them. And I feel like that's a, a big strength. I feel like, um, you know, I feel like a lot of um, really successful coaches these days um, are very movement centric and are, are like experts in movement. When um, I feel like I've evolved and learned a ton about that. Heck, before I got to the Red Sox, I didn't know anything about biomechanics or movements or how movement flow or why it was important. And and by the time I left, uh, you know, I, I I feel like I was an expert at it. Just when you work with JD Martinez every day for two years, like you you get a master's degree in in, in swing mechanics and swing movements, as well as game planning and 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 um, and learning how to really prepare a hitter for an at bat in the major leagues every day. It's 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 there's a lot more to it than just the swing. What um, would be like? What's an example of that game planning? So, you know, we have a lot of information now. You have the characteristics of a pitch. You have a, 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 a pitch might be, there might be a certain spin rate on his breaking ball where, where it's going gonna, it's gonna to really break more than, than a guy who has less. There might be, um, there might be, he might have a low release and, 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 the, and the fastball really stay, stay true and, 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 and not his, his, uh, his, I, his IVB might, might stay really high and, and and I mean, there's there's lots of different characteristics of 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 game planning a, a pitch in the in the big leagues, and so you have to be able to to share that with a hitter. Hey, there's no slug on this guy's fastball, for example. Like, do not chase his fastball to the stop top of the zone. Um, do not try to take this guy deep. Like, uh, really quiet swing thoughts. Single this guy to death because. 
you know, there was a, I remember in the big leagues, for example, there was a, there was a guy who had an electric fastball. I can't remember who it was. And we had a young player and he had a, you know, he had a lollipop steal a strike breaking ball. And we told the kid, listen, like there's nobody hits the fastball. Like people are hitting like 150 off this fastball, but that breaking ball that he tries to just sit on it. You know, and the, I remember the hitter going over four and swung at four fastballs, and you're like, "Dude, we told you." You know what I mean? Like, and he hit like four like weak ground balls. Like that's the guy's trap. Every big league hitter has a trap. Every big league or every big league pitcher has a trap. Every big league pitcher has is susceptible somewhere, and so you have to find those. You have to study the video. You have to study the pitch characteristics. You have to study the movement patterns of the pitch, and then you bring that to the hitters meeting, and you're like, "All right." Here's the game plan to we're, we're, we're going to stay disciplined and we're not, we're not going to swing at this guy's slider today. All right. That's his trap. We're going to, we're going to fight with him and the umpire to that outside corner to see who wins. And we're going to take it and we're going to frustrate the heck out of him and make him bring his fastball in there. Now we do that as nine dudes together. Now we have an offensive game plan to, to have a chance to win the game. Um, if everybody's just going up there bailing and wailing and just trying to swing at whatever, the pitchers love that, right? They're like, oh, okay, this team doesn't have a plan. This team doesn't have an approach. Um, so the game planning is, is huge. Like there's so many different pitch characteristics and so many different things that that create illusions to a hitter in a game with a certain pitch. And you have to be able to dissect those as a hitting coach and uh, and then be able to explain them in very simplistic terms. Hey, stay above this guy. It's going to ride. You know, hey, this you know this guy's got big time sink. We, you got to swing a ball underneath it or a ball above it if it's got ride. You know, whatever it is, um, because these days that pitching coaches are excellent at what they do, and they get guys to create all different types of movements on pitches and spins with grips, and and then we have to be able to combat that and have a plan to attack that. Now at the, at the lower levels in high school and so forth, I mean, watch the game. Watch the game. Watch what he's attacking your teammates with. Watch watch what his out pitch is. What does he go to with two strikes? What does he go to with his runners in scoring position? Um, you know, what, what, where what's what's his what's his bread and butter in those situations? And then you know, have your greatest gift as a hitter is the, is the ability to anticipate. We can talk about swing mechanics. We can talk about all these things, but you have to be able to hunt and be ready to hit something before it gets there. You can't react to pitches. You have to receive pitches. And if you are waiting just to see it first, it's too late. If you're not on the hunt for something, then somebody's hunting you and you're going to get beat. Mm, I like that. Not You don't react. What did you say? You don't react. You what? If you don't react to pitches, you receive them. So if you watch the video of um, Albert Pujols facing Jenny Finch, you can you can watch it on YouTube. Um she blows, she strikes him out on four pitches. You know, the softball pitcher, Jenny Finch, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. This They did this uh, thing in Vegas, like in 2004, where she faced all these big leaguers. And I think that the the only guy that made contact was Sean Casey. And he had like, he had like a dribbler, like to the first baseman. Okay. And um, so th- why couldn't those guys hit her? Like, the velocity, if you do the, the you know, the, the the numbers, it's the same as them facing 95. But why could they didn't like why? How does she blow away Albert Pujols in his prime? Um, well, because he'd never seen that before. He'd never seen that angle. So he couldn't anticipate it. He had to react to the pitch. Well, 90 something miles an hour. It's too late. Like you can't react. You So in order it, now, if she had faced that pitching for. If, if Albert Pujols had faced softball pitching for two months, now he's got some confidence to anticipate where that ball is going to be before she it leaves her hand. It's just like you watch uh, tennis and you watch uh, these these amazing um, tennis players, professional tennis players, receive and return serves at 130 miles an hour. Like, how do they do that? Are they waiting till the ball leaves the racket? No chance. They're anticipating a, a move this way based upon – some sort of tell from that other tennis player that why, because they've had thousands and millions of reps. So big leaguers have had thousands and millions of reps from up here. So they know how to anticipate that, but they didn't know how to anticipate this. So then they're reacting to this pitch and it's too late. 
it's too late at that point. There's too much velocity and spin and, and you're just swatting it flies. And if you watch the video, um, I mean, Albert Pujols swings at pitches that aren't even close and, and, and he had no chance. And so, um, you know, that's my, that's my, that's my greatest example of that, um, that you really have to be able to anticipate a pitch before it gets there. And that goes back to the mental game. If you're not confident and you're not, and your thought process isn't in attack mode, then, and you're waiting to see what's getting ready to happen, then you're you're beat. Oh, fantastic. I, I, I'm going to go back and watch that Jenny Finch, Albert Pujols after, after we get done with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're hundred percent spot on with the anticipating and, and not reacting. One of the things that I, um, I, I wanted to ask you about, cause I heard you're, you're pretty good at this. That's picking up pitchers, tipping pitches. <laughs> I wonder where you heard that from. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, something you, you, you learn along the way. I mean, I think Alex Cora is probably the best, uh, the best I've ever seen, you know, as far as doing that goes. Um, and that's kind of the, the mental warfare of, of baseball is, uh, either knowing what's coming from a tip from a pitcher or, um, making him think, you know, what's coming which is even, which is even better um, sometimes because that gets them paranoid and it's, you know, that's the mental game at the highest level, little competitive advantages in major league baseball. And then even at, at high levels of college baseball, heck at any level, any competitive advantage, it can be a difference maker. So if I have, for example, if I have a tip on a pitcher, a reliever, I've done the study and I know that his glove pops when he grabs his breaking ball. And he comes in a game with the bases loaded and we know that as a team, and then we can take his breaking ball and we're sitting on, we know that when the fastball is coming, boom, double three run, double we're ahead. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that happened in Boston in 2018, where we had a tip on a guy and he came in the game in a leverage situation. And we knew what was coming based upon something. Heck, there was a time that a guy bit his lip, on the fastball and did nothing with his lip on a breaking ball. And so, um, you know, you, 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 he comes set and you see him like this. You're like, all right, here it comes, you know, here comes the heater. Um, so yeah, man, like if you study when I was a college coach, uh, I was a college coach briefly because COVID hit. Um, we went to Auburn and swept Auburn and they were number two in the country when we were, when I was at UCF and they had three starters who were dudes. They were all really good. And we had all their pitches and it, it wasn't because they thought we were stealing their signs uh, from Tim Hudson, who was the pitching coach. Cause you know, college, you give the signs. Now they have the, you know, all the devices, in it, but it had nothing to do with any of that. We, they were, they were tipping. They were just straight up tipping. If you study the video and you watch pitchers, um, many of them will tip, not all of them will tip, many of them will tip. And that affects the running game too. Um, Cause if you know, breaking balls coming, based upon how, you know, what his movements are, then, hey, we can run right here. You know, we can take it 90 feet and 90 feet in baseball will, will get you beat, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's, it's, it's when I was a coordinator with the White Sox, it was part of our program. When I came into town, I wanted the bench players hunting a tip. I wanted somebody finding a tip on something. I wanted us at least trying to find something on every pitcher that came in the game. Well, uh, what's the percentage you think of pitchers out there Let's just say maybe college level, college game. How many times are are is a pitcher out there tipping his pitches? Oof. I'd say if he doesn't have if he doesn't have a coach from the University of Miami on the staff, <laughs> who I think uh, I think down that's my home. I didn't play there, but uh, I think that th- those guys have been chasing tips since uh, the Ron Frazier days. Um, I think if you're not, I think 75% or so, I, I'd say, are of, of pitchers that tip, I would say, you know, that's, that's something, if you study and you know what you're looking for, um, that you'll find, you'll find something. What's the um, best way to go about relaying that to the players? Or are you teaching that to them to pick up when they're in the box? Um, yeah, I'm not big on the relaying. Uh, I, I don't mind relaying from second. I, I feel like if you can see a grip in the glove or you can see something at second, I feel like that's fair game. And I have this argument, oh, that's cheating. I mean, listen, if Tom Brady comes to the line and you're giving away your defense and he checks the play, then that's your fault. 
That's right. not his, you know, that's not right. cheating. That's, that's just, that's the game, right? So if you're giving away your pitch because your, your glove is wide open and your glove is, and your, and your glove is flaring when you grab your change up, that's your fault. You know, what do you want me to do? Not look at it, you know? And so, you know, so, <laughs> uh, you know, there, we would tell hitters, okay, when he comes to the plate, you know, he comes set really high on the fastball and it's a lot lower on the breaking ball and it's obvious. So there you go. You know, I mean, like a lot of times I remember that Auburn series, they were so paranoid about changing their signs. And we, and I was laughing because I'm like, your dudes are tipping so bad that we don't even have to look at your signs there. You just look at them. They're giving away every pitch. So, you know, here you had, you know, one of the best teams in the country at the time and nothing against uh, Auburn or, or their or their coaching staff. Those guys are, are super smart and do a great job. But at the time, those guys were all tipping. And so if you study it, if you take the time and you study it, you can find you can find stuff. So that's crazy that Tim Hudson coaching there being a big league pitcher and the, his pitchers are tipping. Well, you know what? I mean, it, it's heck, big league pitchers are tipping. You that's know? true. And, Good, point. And, Good point. And so it's not really his fault. I mean, when you're a college coach, you got a lot to worry about. Right. And And you're trying to get these guys, number one, you know, just to practice on time. Then you're trying to get them to focus. Then you're trying to get them to execute. And then you're trying to, you know, do, do, do the PFP. And there, I mean, there's just a ton to worry about. Heck, but if I can get the guy on the mound at seven o'clock and, and delivering the ball, throwing strikes, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> right. So, I mean, those, those college, it's, it's a challenge sometimes in, in coaching in college. So, um, you know, nothing against those guys at all. That, that That's part of, that's part of the deal. Heck, there's there's big league teams you know right now that have people in place just looking for their own pitchers to see if they're tipping. Um, I feel like that in 2019 our pitchers didn't pitch well in Boston. I I feel like we were paranoid about our own other teams having our stuff and that, and our guys tipping and our pitchers were paranoid about it. And I feel like it affected their mental game and affected their performance. Kind of like I said earlier, if you're worried about it, um, you know there there's I'm not going to mention his name, but one of the best pitchers in the big leagues, uh, the way to beat him is is not to 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 beat him head on head. It's to make him think he's tipping because if he thinks he's tipping, he he starts getting paranoid and then he, he walks a guy and then, you know, there's a concentration lapse and he leaves something over the plate and you got him. So, I mean, it's uh, again, when you get to that level, the mental warfare is really um, a huge part of the game. And so when I, when I when I went from the big leagues to I went right from the big leagues to coaching in college the very next year, and so I was able to take a lot of what we were doing and and implement that into 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 college baseball and and uh, there's a lot more college players tipping than there are professional players just because I don't think as many people are like I said that just to get the guy at seven o'clock to be delivering strikes is a challenge. So heck, if it's tipping, hopefully the other team's not noticing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> uh, we'll fix that later type thing. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's something I've, I've developed, I've learned, uh, and developed over the years as a coach. I saw how important it was, um, you know, at the highest level, but when I'd manage in the minor leagues, I'd never paid attention to it again. Why? Because I have so many other things to worry about. I, 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 I'm trying to get, you know, this guy's got is late cause he's got a family issue. This guy's getting moved up, moved down. Like, I'm not concerned if their pitchers tipping tonight or giving the signs away, you know, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden you get to the big leagues and every game, every game matters and every winning and losing. And the same at the college level, every game matters. Winning and losing is critical. Then you're, you're starting to pay attention to the, to the little things in the game. So did you enjoy the college game? I did. I, I really did enjoy it. It was, uh, you know, coming from the big leagues to college and those kids were so eager to learn from me. Um, it was, you know, Hey, what do you know about hitting? And they were so excited, you know, it was just, it was, it was a breath of fresh air. And then Greg Lovelady and Ted Tom at at UCF were so welcoming and and allowed me to kind of really implement my program and, and, and work with the guys and gave me freedom. Um, And then, you know, the competition, every game is important. Every game matters. There's only 56 games. So, Um, and then, you know, dealing with that age of player, I hadn't dealt with that age of player in a long time. And it was just uh, it was just neat to be able to connect with them and share experiences with them and and then try to motivate them and teach them. It's just like a it's just like a blank canvas. You know, when you get professional players in the big leagues, they've learned a lot. They've experienced a lot. So, again, you're just fine tuning things. But in college, you're building players, you know, from the ground up one brick at a time. And 
Uh, I was really, I really welcomed that challenge. And then take that, took taking that into be a hitting coordinator and dealing with the same age of players and even younger at times in the Dominican Academy has been was super refreshing and being able to teach and, and develop young players. So uh, yeah, I really liked the college game. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Ted, Tom, he's a, he's, he's a great, great coach. I've gotten to know him a little bit and went down there and saw him actually. So he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate you coming on. If somebody wants to learn more about, you know, your program, you know, we talked about how like you, you've developed essentially this, this mental game program, like mm-hmm. what, how should they get in touch with you or should they follow you? Like what's the best way to go about it? Yeah, my uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I think it's uh, a Barquette seventeen. I'm sure you'll post this and yep. maybe uh, uh, you know tag my my Twitter uh, name on there. Um, baseballprosacademy.com is my website. You know the website is I haven't paid too too much attention to it. I do a lot of my stuff just kind of word of mouth. Um, but uh, there's ways to contact me on there, uh, email and so forth, and uh, baseballproscamp at gmail.com all one word. And so those are just some different ways, uh, to, to, to grab me. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in central Florida and I I've been speaking to some high school programs throughout the country, actually via zoom and teaching this, uh, core it's an acronym, um, for championship mindset, uh, owning your process, relentless desire, and then enthusiastic uh, or enthusiasm. And so I, there's a curriculum for each, each, uh, letter, that I teach. And, um, it's been great. I've gotten great feedback and, and, you know, telling stories along the way, actually working on a book, um, where, you know, I talk, I talk, talk about the core of the 2018 Boston Red Sox and, and how, you know, they really were, were great examples of, of this mental game for, for 162 games plus the playoffs in the world series. So um, a lot of great mental story, mental game stories in the, on that team, obviously, you know, nothing better, I feel like, than, than Nate Miavaldi in the World Series, pitching, uh, you know, into into the late hours of the night and in extra innings and just showing grit, determination. Um, so there was just, there was countless um, examples of that on that team and really taught me a lot. And so again, just working on some different things, And but those are, those are the ways to get in touch with me. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on, man. All right, Patrick. Thanks for having me, man.